Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where our goal is to help Christians love and live out God's Word. And today, we are talking about singing in the church. Our episode is called, Why Do We Sing? Today, Pastor Jesse Randolph and I are here with Andrew Thomas, the music pastor here at Indian Hills. Hi, Andrew. Hello there. Welcome. Andrew has a very special place in my heart, and his role has a special place in my heart because uh, I was once a music pastor here at the church, and Andrew and I worked together. So, um, Andrew, let's talk some music. I'd love to. And, and now Pastor Jesse is a musician with us as well because he almost sang What a Friend We Have in Jesus in his last sermon. Got cold feet. Do I get credit for almost singing? Oh, yeah. It's almost oh, yeah. like I did something of consequence. I don't think I did. I just chickened out. But you like paused and we were like, it was almost like you did sing I it. I built up and then totally <laughs> fell flat on my face. And probably because I was intimidated by two gifted men like no, you staring no. me down as staring I you down. dared to belt it out. Yeah. Maybe some other time. Well, Andrew, it is uh, really great to have you on the podcast. Um, I'd love to have you share a little bit just about your family. Uh, you have a, a couple of uh, levels of generations here, uh, of Thomases here at Indian Hills. Love to hear you share a little bit about your mom and your dad even, and then the family the Lord has blessed you with. Well, thank you. I It sounds remarkable to say I've been here 26 years, but I have to remind you, I'm 26 years old. <laughs> I've been here my whole life. Uh, thankful that my, my parents um, have been here for many, many years. Uh, my wonderful wife, Vanessa, I have two beautiful kids, Larson and Goldie. They're just a joy. They're just a privilege. And it's been a privilege to serve here. Uh, when I first got this job, I didn't think uh, it was going to happen. I didn't think there was going to be a role, but God was just preparing both Aaron and my hearts mm-hmm. to be ready for the next stage of life. I- I've shared the story a few times now. I'll share it again on the podcast just just for fun. Um, when I came here to candidate, one of the things that made me most nervous when I was st- sitting on that front row, ready to go up that first Sunday morning was seeing that orchestra, the orchestra that you have the privilege to lead uh, on Sunday mornings, and just to, to understand what what reverence this church has has and still does show in its musical worship, and to see you play a front and center role in that, uh, obviously under the Lord's leading, is just such a, a neat thing to witness. So really glad to have you on and hear what you have to share. Yeah, we are so blessed, uh, Andrew, just to have you, and I mean... As a, as a church, we have like, what, several music majors in our orchestra Too and many. music ministry. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, you've, like you said, you've been here your whole life and you've been trained by uh, godly people and musicians. And, and now it's just awesome to serve with you and see the Lord develop you and your skills and uh, your godliness as you grow into this role. So the orchestra is the epitome of, I can't do this by myself <laughs> because man, there are so many talented people with masters in conducting and masters in performance and it's just incredible. I'm very blessed and humbled to be leading this ministry. Amen. Amen. Well, my first question for you, Andrew, is uh, a basic one. It's the title of the episode. Um, kind of broad, but go for it. Why do we sing? You know, I would agree it is broad, but also it is simple in truth. I'm not going to get into too many semantics of the different churches, the way they do things. I'm going to provide the truth of what the Bible tells us. We have to filter everything that we do through truth. So as a believer with the Holy Spirit indwelling us, singing should be a very natural response to God. We see that countless times in the Bible, both for who he is, his attributes, and also the works that he does, that he has done for us, give us cause to praise him, worship him. There are countless reasons laid out in the Psalms. Chapter 9, verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Chapter 63, 
Verse three and four, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Also in chapter 13, verse five, but I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Singing praises to God is a response to knowing who he is and what he's done for us. Today in the church age, we have so many more reasons to sing his praise. So much more has been revealed to us through God's progressive revelation throughout history. We know so much more about God, so much more about Jesus and what he's done for us today than the Old Testament saints did. Truths like this demand a response from the true believer. And I think that's a very short answer to a very broad question of why do we sing? The truths about who he is and what he's done for us demand a response. Yeah. Amen. I love that. As as a guy who had the privilege this summer of teaching on the attributes of God, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember each of those Sunday nights stepping down thinking, I, you know, we usually wouldn't close those Sunday nights in song, but it would have been a great way to close those evenings. I know we had timelines and we had to get people home on those evenings, but uh, that to your point, those truths about God, his attributes, his character, the right response, the right posture, I think is the word you term, used, is worship. Yeah, and I appreciate that. You, you, I don't know who implemented it, but on Sunday mornings, after you preach a full, a Bible-saturated sermon, at the end, we sing a song. We sing a hymn, and it reflects on what you preached on. And so I love that. It's just what you said, Andrew. We're reflecting on the Word of God being preached, and it's like we're you know saying, yes, I agree, amen, and repeating these truths back to God. Uh, and we know he's pleased by that. Absolutely. I love doing it. Well, my second question for you, Andrew, is what should Christians sing? So this is also another broad question because we could sing probably anything, <laughs> but I want to define it a little more. The most important thing to note when we're thinking about singing, when we're thinking about what we should sing is the first question, are these lyrics full of truth? And when I say full of truth, I don't just mean contain some truth. I mean, are they complete and utter truth? Before I ever look at arrangement of songs, I really try to look at the lyrics first. Sometimes you can't help it. Maybe you hear something on the radio. Maybe you suge- someone suggested a song for you, so you listen to it first. But I try to look at the lyrics first. If we're to respond to God by singing his praises, we must be singing truth and only truth. I think one pitfall many worship leaders nowadays run into is they will pick a song that isn't necessarily great on the lyric side because they love the arrangement so much. Mm-hmm. It's a very easy pitfall to fall into. Many times I've even thought, I'm I'm not above this. Well, we need a fast song for the service because we've done a lot of slow songs on this service. So uh, the only fast song that we haven't done recently is this one. It's not great, but you know, we'll go for it. Let's just go for it. It's fine. Hmm. We don't want our songs to be just fine. Uh, That's not a good word to describe how we praise and sing to him. We want the truths that we're singing to our Lord to be absolutely perfect. It's even important to cut lyrics when some uh, problems would even be considered small or insignificant details that don't matter. We've cut songs for that. We've cut whole verses for that because they were inaccurate, just Mm -hmm. simply put. Even the small details from Scripture are still God-breathed, and we need to take those little details seriously. Now, don't get me wrong. The arrangement is very important. I'm not saying that lyrics are the only thing we look at, and then we just pick any arrangement that goes along with that. They're very important, but... We can't justify, I should say, heresy within a song just to do a great arrangement. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, as a fellow music leader, 
Yeah, you, we love music, right? And music is so emotional and you get so invested in it, especially if you learn an instrument and you learn that song and, and then all of a sudden you find out, oh, these lyrics aren't biblical. And that's kind of crushing, but you got to put uh, truth above preferences. And so I appreciate that you said that. And I don't know if I even truly answered your question, what should we sing? There's a little better details. If we look in Colossians 3.16, we often talk about this as, you know, the musicians 3.16 mm-hmm. around here, the, the John 3.16 of musicians. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Here we see that with the Holy Spirit indwelling us, allowing the word of Christ to be in our hearts, We have a response to not only teach and admonish each other, but to sing truths. And here we actually see three different things that we should be singing. Maybe this will better answer your question. We have psalms. Simply put, this is the lyrics that are contained within the psalms put to music. We have hymns. We can't be confused with what we call hymns today. It's not necessarily the same. Often these are seen as songs that have a special focus on praising God. And then we have spiritual songs. These songs would often show specifically what God has done for us in our lives. Regardless of what category your song may fall into, the focus of the song still is on the glory and praise of God. And we have to remember that praise means to give hearty approval of. It means to show admiration for. And our Lord certainly deserves that admiration. He deserves that approval, and He deserves all glory that we could give Him. So now let's get into the how. Andrew, how should Christians sing? And specifically, how is it different from the way non-Christians sing? I would say the major distinction, although I feel I may have answered this a little bit, the major distinction is where the attention goes when we are singing. I mean, why are you singing? You have to ask yourself that. Are you singing because it's just fun? Although it might be fun to sing praises to our Lord. Is that the only reason? Uh, Are you singing because it's nice to get compliments about your voice? Do I have people coming to be wanting to sing offertories because they want to sing solos? They want to sing by themselves to get attention? I mean, the world may sing to they, they sing to release frustrations or release anger or even exclaim joys that are happening in their lives. Other times the world can sing because they're depressed and they just want to listen to a sad song to feel understood. I mean, singing can have a multitude of reasons in the world, but when believers sing, it should be nothing like the way the world sings. We sing because we're joyful, because we cannot hold in the praise that God deserves. We should sing with our hearts focused on praising the one who has saved us. And that's again, that's where the attention goes. That's the major distinction between unbelievers and believers is where is the focus? Where is the attention on self or on God? That's wonderful. What a great answer. I mean, I, I, you can broaden that because we've had many conversations about, you know, what is worship? Is worship music? Is only music worship? And clearly the answer is no. And mm-hmm. Worship is all that we do. It's the whole life of the believer. Uh, we're talking about music here today, but what a great insight. Why do we sing? And why do we sing what we sing? When we show up on Sunday, that's that's a, that's a that's a question that could be taken to multiple different levels. You know, why do we show up and hear a man preach? Why do we show up and shake hands with people during greeting time? Why do we um, stay for 10 extra minutes after church? Why do we do these things? Is it just routine? Is it because this is how we've always done it? Well, that's not the right reason to do yeah. what we do. Or is it because we get something out of it? Or we get something, or to Andrew's point, because it makes us look good or put, sh- uh, shines the light on us. Or is it to worship in truth the one true and living God? And uh, these insights, Andrew, are just spot on. They're really helping, I think, us and our listeners to understand what it is we're doing when we sing at church. Mm-hmm. And and what do you think, Andrew, about like, how should that change our demeanor? How should that change our attitude when we sing to the Lord? 
I mean, I think when you have your focus on self, it's very easy to see from the outside because you're not outpouring encouragement. You're not outpouring fellowship. When you have your focus on God, you are nothing but that. I mean, we saw that with last week with your father, with Dave Nicholson. He just outpours worship. He outpours to others and he encourages others. So when you have that self-focus, that attention is on, on self rather than reflecting the glory to God, it's a major difference. Yeah. Uh, and you can see it, you know, uh, in, in people on people's faces. You can see joy. You can see uh, emotions expressed. So that leads in my next question about posture. What posture is the best singing posture? In other words, now this gets a little touchy here, Let's right? <laughs> Should we raise our hands or keep them by our side when we sing? You know, this immediately makes me think of the phrases that are always thrown around, and often they have a derogatory meaning, no matter which one is said. Oh, they're a hand-raising church is one we hear. Or the other one is, oh, they show no emotion when they sing. They are very stoic and angry. They always have a negative connotation. And I, I think it can be hard for people to understand that both extremes can still be pleasing God. This completely depends on what we were talking about earlier, what's happening in the heart of the congregant. Often the Bible does even encourage lifting of hands as we praise God. So to say lifting your hands is unholy is simply not true. Hmm. However, there's always a however. You aren't pleasing God if you decide to lift your hands simply because everyone else is doing it. I mean, today we live in a culture where sometimes some churches, they will even say you're spiritually dead if you're not raising your hands, if you're not shouting at the top of your voice. Many of the churches today even invoke this atmosphere that kind of forces you to put your hands up. Nothing you do on the outside matters if you aren't praising God in your heart. And I think that's where it all boils down to. All that to say, make sure that you care for others around you. There's nothing wrong with lifting your hands. There's nothing wrong with if you truly are in that moment of singing these truths and you want to raise your hands because it's comfortable, by all means. If you're trying to receive the Holy Spirit, please stop because that is heresy. That is not true. You don't want to receive the Holy Spirit if you're already a believer. Mm -hmm. You can't receive it again. So the, again, the question really boils down to what's on the heart of the person singing? Are you taking care about the people around you thinking, am I being a distraction to people around you? Or no, this is a good environment to be okay with lifting my hands. Remember, your goal is to praise God. Your goal is not to feel loved in coming to the worship service. Your, your goal is not to feel in the moment. Your goal is not to feel emotional when we come here. Your goal is to praise God. Many times, hand raisings can invoke those things. There's nothing wrong with doing it if you have the right heart. So open discussion here. If you go to a church that typically doesn't raise their hands, and to be honest, that's Indian Hills. I mean, most of us usually sing with our hands at our side. Like you said, not wrong, but that's just what we do. Mm -hmm. um, and what if you go to a church and that typically does that and you want to raise your hands? What are some things to keep in mind or um, caution against? I think never, ever force yourself to do something that is not natural to you. So if the people around you are raising your hands and you think, well, I should probably be doing that too because they seem really spiritual, don't force yourself to do that. You're forcing something that's not happening within your heart. You can truly worship him and God can be absolutely pleased with you by not raising your hands if that's the way that you feel. Um, I personally never feel the urge to raise my hands and, and, and sway all around all over the place, but I can't, I don't want to talk about that in a derogatory way because there's nothing wrong with that for the people that have that feeling mm -hmm. in them that want to do that. Yeah, I would just encourage people um, to make sure that they're worshiping in truth. And a, a component of that is, is this a moment of, of genuine heart level worship of the living God? Like we're saying, not uh, 
aiming to be pleasing to man, not aiming to fit in with man um, in whatever context they're in. So uh, I'm just going to defer to everything else Andrew said. I thought that was spot on um, about our church, our context. Um, I would encourage the people listening to this podcast to go play that part of this podcast again, because <laughs> I think it's really getting down to the heart of it, which is what is the individual worshiper's heart posture before God when they enter our worship uh, facility? If it if it leads them to this place where they're going to lift a hand, we're not going to usher them out. <laughs> but if it leads them to the place where their hands are by their side, but they are, are 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 actively worshiping the Lord in that moment with those hands by their side, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think that's helpful. No, thank you. Um, so another question then, Andrew, about this one's about style. Okay, so we're talking rock, jazz, traditional, rap. Uh, what style of Christian music is the most holy style? Definitely the jazz band. <laughs> no, uh, of, I think it's obvious. Of course, there is no most holy style. Agreed. And I understand that it can be shocking to hear an electric guitar after you've only heard the organ for 30 years. Many people in our congregation have fallen under that category. Uh, but we cannot let tradition come above scripture. Mm. When we do things like that, we start to look uh, like a Catholic, putting tradition above what scripture says. There have been many that believe that the drum set even is Satan's instrument, and we shouldn't be using it in church. Of course, this is clearly refuted, and I have to go back to Scripture in Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. And then we get to some instruments. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud symbols. There's our drum set. Loud Even symbols. Loud ones. Look at that. Praise him with resounding symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I think it's very clear, although it can't name every instrument that's come into existence since this was written, that we're supposed to be using instruments, an expanse of instruments. Whatever we have the ability to do well, we're supposed to use them to glorify our Lord. So of course, the style, uh, the style changes between person to person. Some people love when we have orchestra pieces. Some people love when we have just an acoustic guitar up there with a voice. We can do a multitude of styles as long as we're focused on the truth. We're focused on not being a distraction for the congregation. We're focused on making sure the lyrics in the song are perfect for the Lord. So you're saying we could worship the Lord just the same if we had no instruments? Yes, I am saying that. Agreed. Little exegetical uh, insight, guys. That word uh, symbol in Hebrew means zildjian hi hat. So <laughs> I was thinking rock that out. too. Yeah. Glad you looked that up. Well, Andrew, this question um, is kind of a preview into our next episode. So you can kick us off here. Um, what encouragement would you give to Christians as they mentally prepare for corporate singing on Sunday? So I think the first thing that you always have to do when you have a concern or a question or a trouble or even an excitement for something that's to come, like singing, the first thing to do is pray. Be praying, be uh, in communion with God, be um, talking to him and, and casting your anxieties on him. And the reason I say anxieties is because many people do not like singing. They feel self-conscious when they sing. And I would really, really, really encourage you, and I'll get to that in a moment, to be singing. Don't just not sing because it's uncomfortable. So first, I'd say realize that when you come to sing, you are not coming to show off or to seek attention. Some people will not struggle with this. They don't want people hearing them sing. But you're coming to give admiration to the Almighty Creator who, of course, is deserving of it. And I would say even the Bible says He demands it. I mean, this is something that should be natural to us, a natural response for who He is and what He's done. 
Second, I would say very simply, make sure that you are singing, period, singing. I tell my first through sixth grade kids all the time in the concert, some of you just weren't singing. Why were you not singing? Now, it is possible that some may have health issues or, or some reason where they are unable to sing. And I do recognize that. But that's certainly the minority. Many people come to me and say, I can't sing. Well, you're just telling me that you can't sing well, and that's fine. God can still be pleased. Again, it goes back to the heart. Mm -hmm. Is your heart longing to praise him? Is your heart longing to give him praise, worship him through song? Just because you might not have the best singing voice does not mean that you can't please God in your singing. Many times they think that I won't be allowed to sing in heaven because I'll be an abomination and I won't be praising God. Well, that's just simply not true. And third, if you don't sing because you struggle to know the songs, and I understand that this can be a a major problem with contemporary, if you're if you're an older person coming into new contemporary songs, you struggle to know them, I would say straight up, contact your music director. Get a list of the songs beforehand. And I'd say this encouragement goes for everyone. Study the lyrics. Pray the truths from the songs. If your music director is, is actually being diligent to pick songs that only contain truth, then I'd say these lyrics should be songs worthy of prayer, worthy of meditation, worthy of, of, of dwelling on during the week as you prepare for corporate worship. On Sunday. And don't forget, again, the focus. The focus of singing is to praise God, is to put aside your discomforts and realize that God wants you to respond to Him through singing, praising, giving Him that adoration that He deserves. Yeah, awesome. Now, I appreciate the, the helpful tips um, in preparing. And, um, and Andrew, I just appreciate you and, and how God is using you. You are helping us, you're calling us to worship. Uh, the living God and calling us to magnify his name by providing songs for us to sing along with. I, songs are so awesome in, in my own spiritual life. I know in so many others, they help us dwell on God. They help us magnify God in our minds. Um, and they, they're a vehicle of offering praise to him. Well, I'd like to close our episode by reading Colossians 3.16 again, which says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, Andrew, thanks again for reminding us to sing with thankfulness and sing according to the truth. It's been a blessing to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you. That wraps up our episode of the Sound Words podcast. Pastor Jesse, do you have any last words for us today? Well, just uh, want to echo those words of thanks for you, Andrew. Thanks for faithfully leading that aspect of our worship service each and every Sunday as you do. Um, and then the final, final word is from 2 Timothy 1.13. Retain the standard of sound words, which you've heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Hope you found that helpful today. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a great week.